Scripture for this morning's lesson is from Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Living by the book is our theme this year. Our goal in our studies on Sunday morning is to understand what it means to live by the book. We do believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's the actual Word of God. Therefore, it's the best thing we can live by. So that's what we're trying to work on this year. Uh, This series that we're involved in is entitled Kingdom Living by the Book. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in some detail uh, because that's where Jesus defined the kingdom. Uh, The king explained the kingdom to us uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're trying to get a little different perspective on that perhaps and evaluate how we're doing at kingdom living. We started a number of weeks ago, way back in Matthew 6.33. Jesus said, here's how it is in the kingdom, people in my kingdom, seek first the kingdom and they seek the righteousness of the kingdom. And we looked at that first week and understood what Jesus was saying a little bit better perhaps. And then we looked at the righteousness part. And we are learning that that's different in the kingdom than it is in the world. And the Pharisees and all those people that we talked about that were at the Sermon on the Mount all had their own standards of righteousness. And as we've gone through this, hopefully we're starting to see that Jesus is telling us over and over again that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. That righteousness in the kingdom is inside out. It comes from inside. And we're seeing that the things that we do should be done to honor God, not to impress men. We looked at the Pharisees and how they had it backwards. They worked to impress men and not honor God. We talked about there being a circle of forgiveness in the kingdom. Because we've been forgiven, we freely forgive other people. And if we don't, that means we've got something wrong in our heart. We looked about at truth-telling last time we were together. Jesus said that the world has all sorts of rules and regulations and tricks uh, so that people can't tell when you're telling the truth or not. Even the Pharisees had that. Couldn't tell when their fingers were crossed. Jesus said if you're in the kingdom, when you say yes, it means yes. When you say no, it means no. You just tell the truth. You're honest in all you do in the kingdom. Uh, Today, we're moving to another topic, uh, judge not. Now, remember, as we talk about not judging, where we are, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, we're seeing the king explain the kingdom and how things are different, and judging is different in the kingdom. Our verse is Matthew 7 and verse 1, which simply says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Pretty simple verse. We need to understand it, perhaps. Uh, You probably know this verse. I bet everybody in here has heard this verse, or some variation 
on this verse. Uh, who are we to judge? Is one variation on this. Who are you to judge? Is one variation on this verse. Don't impose your morality on me. Was another variation of this verse. So we've all heard it in one way or another. Uh, and the reason we've all heard it so much, not that we preach on it that much, uh, the reason that we've heard it so much is, believe it or not, this is the world's favorite verse. It's right up there anyway. I don't know if they've got a, a more favorite one or not, but this is pretty favorite in the world. This is very popular. We hear it all the time, don't we? Uh, you see it, like I put the picture up here, in protest marches. Uh, anytime this world uh, dreams up some new perversion that they're in favor of, or wants to protest against some traditional moral value that they're against, they break this verse out. Who are you to tell me this is wrong? Your own Bible says, judge not. That's the spirit of this age. That's what this verse is all about. That's what the world is built on. This concept of tolerance and nothing is wrong. And nobody can say anything is wrong. Sometimes it's used with anger. No matter what I'm doing. No matter what I've done, no matter what I may dream up to do, no matter how repugnant that may be, no matter how immoral it may be, according to the Bible, no, no matter what's wrong with it, you can't tell me I'm wrong. We've all heard that. We see it on the news. We read it in the paper. And you can't tell me I'm wrong because the Bible tells you you can't tell me I'm wrong. It says, judge not. a strange thing there. I don't know if it ever occurs to those people, if it ever dawns on them that they are quoting Bible to tell you that you can't quote Bible. That's a little odd, isn't it? But they don't worry about that. Here's a great verse. Here's two words, judge not, that fits perfectly the spirit of this age, and so they use it over and over. When you quote Bible to tell someone they can't quote Bible, you may have a problem. And here's the problem. Here is the problem. The problem we have is that Philippians 4.8 and a whole lot of other Bible says judging is necessary. We've got to work through this first before we find out what judge not means. But the Bible says judge not in Matthew 7.1, but a whole lot of other places it tells us to do things that require judging. Okay. I put a few down there. Deuteronomy 6.18 says, Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Well, to obey that verse, what do you got to do? You got to judge. You got to assess. You got to decide what's right in the Lord's sight. You got to read His Word. John 7.24 says, Make a right judgment. Well, right there it says make a judgment. you got to judge to do that. you got to make a right decision about things. Ephesians 4.15 says we are supposed to speak the truth in love. That means there is truth. If we're supposed to speak the truth, there's got to be truth. There's got to be truth and there's got to be wrong. 
Matthew 7.15 tells us specifically to watch out for false prophets. Well, if you can't judge, if you can't make any decisions about what's right and wrong, how do you know a false prophet from a true prophet? Matthew 7.16 says, by their fruit you will know them. See a false prophet? You can tell by their fruit. I heard one preacher say one time, I'm not a judge, but I am a fruit inspector. Yeah, there may be a little difference in there. But the Bible tells us, Matthew 7, 1, judge not. But everywhere else it's telling us, you got to judge. you got to make decisions about things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 says to avoid every kind of evil. The world uses this verse to say there is nothing evil. Well, if we're supposed to avoid every kind of evil, we got to know what's evil. Philippians 4, 8, the verse that's kind of paraphrased here on the screen for you. Paul said, the things you ought to think about are things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those kind of things. Well, what's that mean? That means that there are some things to think about that are not true (laughs) and not noble. And not right, and not pure, and not lovely, and not admirable, and we've got to make that decision. We've got to ascertain which is which. 1 Corinthians 5.11 gets pretty specific. It tells us, do not associate, do not even eat with such a man. Sounds like a little judging involved there. Somebody's done something immoral in the brotherhood, and you are not to associate with them. You've got to decide that. You've got to understand it. Philippians 1.10, Paul prayed that we, the Philippians would have the knowledge and the insight to discern what is best. To judge or to discern or to decide what is best. So, I think I've made the case that over and over the Bible says we're supposed to judge. So, now let's figure out what judge not means. Matthew 7, 1, what's he mean when he says that? Well, i got the four ways, that, four things that might help us. First, recall the context of the sermon. Go back to what we're talking about. What's the context here? <clears throat> He's talking about righteousness being inside out. Heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Now, the crowd that he was talking to, the people that he w- was addressing had been told what was righteous. They'd been shown by the Pharisees and the others a brand of show-and-tell religion that was pointed out to them as being righteous. And that show-and-tell religion, that prevailing idea of what was godly and righteous in that day, uh, was accompanied with, let's just call it an attitude. Okay? Those that were righteous had this attitude about them. Jesus showed it off in that parable he told about the Pharisee went to pray, the tax collector went to pray. What was the Pharisee's attitude? What was the tax collector's attitude? God, I'm not even worthy to talk to you. I am poor in spirit in kingdom terms. What was the Pharisee's attitude? (laughs) Boy, God, you are lucky to have me on the team. I'm sure thankful I'm not like that guy. And that's the kind of attitude they had. 
So when they went among the people, and when the people saw these righteous religious folks out going around, I'm sure they got a lot of fingers pointed at them. You don't tithe enough. I tithe from everything in my garden. You don't tithe enough. You don't fast enough. I fast twice a week. You you don't pray enough. I pray three times a day. I pray at all the official time. I pray at other times. You, you don't know enough scriptures. I know all the scriptures. I carry them around on my forehead. I got boxes on my arms. I, I know the scriptures. You associate with the wrong people. You don't know what's unclean and what's not. I know what's unclean. I stay away from all the unclean people. You don't measure up. That's what the people were used to. That's what Jesus was talking about. They got this judgment, this condemnation, if you will. Talking to Brother Jerry before church, and he said that's really what this word meant back in those days. It wasn't judge in the way we think of it. It was condemn. It was harsh. It was judgmental. That's what the people were used to. So what did Jesus say? Don't judge. Don't condemn. Don't don't be like that. Okay, so the context helps us understand it. Second, read the warning in verse 2. Okay, verse 1 says, don't judge, or you too will be judged. Verse 2 explains it a little more. It says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And which the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Hmm. Okay. Now, technically, God's not mentioned in there. And nobody really knows if Jesus is referring to judgment from above or not. But at the very least, it's true of other people. Yeah. Now, all the other points we've talked about, the circle of forgiveness and the truth-telling and all that, Jesus did tie that back to God. He said, if you don't forgive people, then he's not going to be able to forgive you. Uh, if you go beyond just telling the truth, that's from the evil one. It's not from God. So he did tie God in all those things. So he may be talking about that here. But at least it means the people around you will judge you with the same measure you use to be judgmental about them. Let me try to help you see what that means. Uh, I got to confess, I've, I've been watching you guys when you come in this morning. I was out there watching some of you and, and I'm pretty dis- disappointed. Some of you look pretty shabby. You do. A lot of you need to shine your shoes. I saw people coming in with old scuffed up dirty shoes. Hadn't been polished in weeks. They looked horrible. Uncared for. Shameful to go out in public that way. I don't think anybody ought to go out in public with unshined shoes like that. Quiz. What did I have to do before I could say that to 700 people? I spent a long time yesterday shining my shoes. 
Okay? And as soon as I went into that, you know what happened to these people over here? They started. <laughs> yeah, you want to, and you guys out there are hoping I'll step out from the pulpit, won't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly how it works. That, that's how it works. Now, just to use that illustration was a lot of work. I spent a long time yesterday polishing. Okay, I put a couple of coats on, folks. And then this morning, I had to walk real careful everywhere I went. I didn't want to, didn't want to scuff them. I wanted that shine to be there. If I was going to pick on you, I had to have mine in order, didn't I? Okay? Now, I guarantee you people will be watching when they come out. They'll be looking for it. They won't look me in the eye. They'll be looking down. Just the way it works. By the measure we use, that's what will be measured against us. Okay, So whatever I'm going to pick on you about, whatever I'm going to condemn you for, I better be perfect in that area. Makes it a little different when you want to criticize people now, doesn't it? When you think, if I'm going to judge somebody, if I'm going to be critical, if I'm going to be condemning of somebody, I better have things really right. That's what Jesus is warning here. The measure you use is what you're going to get back. Third, to understand this, let's laugh at the illustration in verses 3 to 5. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, there are a lot of cartoons about this, of course. Now, this guy is looking at the other guy with the speck, and he says, Are you aware of how ridiculous you look with that speck in your eye? Let me get that out for you. This one takes it to the next level. The third guy says, ha ha, you just told him that he has a splinter in his eye and you've got a beam in yours. Well, he's got a log in his. Okay, Jesus was being a little funny here. Jesus was saying, this is how silly it is when you have this self-righteous, judgmental, harsh attitude and you want to tell other people they got a problem in their life. Okay, are you starting to get the drift of what Jesus meant here? Okay, final step, fourth step, memorize the golden rule. If you want to understand what Jesus is talking about, understand the context, understand the warning, laugh at the illustration, and then memorize the golden rule. It's down there in verse 12, same passage. He said, so in everything, do to others... What you would have them do to you. How you want to judge people? How critical you want to be? How condemning do you want to be? Well, just be as judgmental and as harsh and critical and condemning as you would like people to be to you. Now, 7 verse 1 says, judge not. Get serious here. It says to judge not. Have you ever discussed that in Sunday school and come up with 
the conclusion we've come up with. Well, that means self-righteous judgment. That means being harshly critical of other people. We're supposed to exercise righteous judgment. Well, yeah, we are. That's the right interpretation. That's the correct letter of the law interpretation. But after you discerned that in Sunday school class, did you ever walk out of Sunday school class, and maybe that day or maybe later in the week or sometime, you see old brother or sister Pharisee looking down their nose at someone or something that doesn't meet their standards. You ever see that in the kingdom? Should not be. This is the king explaining the kingdom. He says, in the kingdom, my people don't do that. They understand that people are going to judge them back just with the same measure they use. They understand they can't help anybody with a problem in their eye if they've got this beam of self-righteousness in their eye. They understand that if they want to be treated a certain way, they can't treat other people a different way. You can't be in the kingdom and ignore the king's description, folks. When he says judge not, we can't be judgmental. We're not on the mount, but we are in the kingdom. I think the people on the mount probably got it that day. Especially the common people. They thought, aha, (laughs) I know what he's talking about. Let's apply this in the kingdom. We've been trying to do this with every point of Jesus' sermon here. In the kingdom, how do we apply this of judging not? First of all, don't be hypercritical. Doesn't say hypocritical. We'll get to that pretty soon. This is hypercritical. I've known a few folks like that. Not many, but a few that are hypercritical. They dig and search for faults. You tell them something, they always suspect the worst. They're just looking for something wrong. They are the opposite of poor in spirit. So all this sermon ties together. We didn't take time to read all the Beatitudes, but that's in there, isn't it? People in the kingdom are poor in spirit. Somebody that is hypercritical is not poor in spirit. They think they got it all going on. So they can pick on everybody else. They put a bad light on anything, even if they're not condemning. They really are. You tell somebody, you tell one of them that, well, so-and-so did this good deed. Well, they probably did it for the wrong reason. Yeah, whatever. They're just looking for something wrong. Hypercritical. That's that harsh, judgmental spirit that we're talking about. Paul said in Romans 14, 4, he said, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. I think of that verse every once in a while, especially when I get one of some brotherhood tabloid. Somebody that specializes in being hypercritical. 
They, they, they watch and read every book and every bulletin and everything. They're looking for heresy in every word or action. They think that's their assignment for some reason. Now, I notice that maybe because since we're one of the biggest churches in Kansas, we draw a little attention when we do something. And we have, that's happened in the past. When we do something new or different or start the women's conference or something that hadn't happened before, a lot of things like that, it draws attention from little men who see themselves as God's righteous right hand. They are hypercritical. That's what they spend all their time doing, looking for it. If we're going to avoid, or if we're going to follow Matthew 7, we can't be hypercritical. Second, don't be hypocritical. That means two-faced. Don't be hypocritical. That, that was the Pharisees' big problem, wasn't it? Read Matthew 23 and count how many times he calls them hypocrites. He said, you two-faced rascals, you do this and you mean this. You say this, you do this. Main problem they had. When you're two-faced, you can look at other people differently. You overlook your own shortcomings. Some people, somebody I read someplace, you look through bifocals at people. And part of your bifocal is rose-colored. And you look at yourself through the rose-colored part. I'm all right. I got everything going on. You look at everybody else under the magnifying glass and and do that hypercritical thing. And we've got a tendency to do that. It's human nature. Bertrand Russell wrote this little humorous thing one time. He said, I am firm. You are obstinate. He is pig-headed. Kind of the way we decide things, isn't it? He said, I have reconsidered. You have changed your mind. And he's gone back on his word. It depends how you look at things, don't you? Being hypocritical, it looks at things two different ways. If we really look at ourselves, we'll find some flaws. And Jesus pointing out, don't judge other people. Don't, don't be harsh and critical about it. Third thing, seek to help in love. I think this is the biggie. Okay. Jesus' little story there about the speck and the plank. It's not just sins. It's not just that your brother has this little bitty sin in his eye and you've got a huge sin in yours. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about with this self-righteousness, this judgmental attitude, this condemning attitude. You're not equipped. You can't help him. You're not qualified to help him. It's impossible to help him. He doesn't say we shouldn't help. In fact, we ought to be helping. If a brother or sister has a problem, we're supposed to be helping them. He says, look at that last sentence. He says, first, take the plank out, then you can help them. So we're supposed to help folks, but we can't do it with that self-righteous, harsh, judgmental attitude. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him gently. Okay? This is why I said this help is a biggie. This ties it all together. If someone's caught in a sin, if someone's got a problem, do we stand back and say, who am I to judge? 
No. All, go back and read all those verses that said we're supposed to recognize sin. We're supposed to avoid evil. We're supposed to discern what's best. And when we see that in others, if we're spiritual, we want to go help them. And Jesus is saying, if you've got this attitude, well, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're, I'm right. You can't help them. You've got to get rid of that attitude before you can even have a chance of helping them. So that help thing, that's where we ought to be headed instead of just the judging, condemning, criticizing. Fourth, last point, seek to understand. If you want to help somebody, if you want to make sure you're not doing Matthew 7, 1, then you work at understanding that person. Yeah, there's all sorts of people got all sorts of messes in their lives. We look at it. We recognize it. Okay, one response is to just be condemning and critical. Another is to seek to understand, seek to help, and then seek to understand at the same time. Understand this. You don't know their story. You don't know how they got to where they are today. That's part of this attitude problem. That's what the Pharisees thought. I'm God. I can say I know everybody's intent. I can tell what's wrong. I'll point it out to them. All of that. No, remember this. He's God and you're not. I'll solve a whole lot of problems in life if you just memorize those few little words. It's not my job. I'm not God. But we don't know people's story. It doesn't excuse the sin. It doesn't get rid of the consequences. But it does help us get rid of that harsh, judgmental spirit if we know something about their story. I was talking to two men the other day, same occupation, very similar. Uh, I don't know if either one of them has a temper problem or not. I've never seen either one of them lose their temper or be quick to... uh, condemn someone who disagrees with them or something like that. But just suppose one of them did. Lost their temper, chewed somebody out, did something. Since they're both about the same to me, I know they're similar, all that. I could say, well, they shouldn't have done that. Be easy to be critical. Be easy to be judgmental a little bit. But as I talked to them the other day, the reason it made me think of this illustration is as I talked to them, one of them told me, and I'd never heard anything about it before, about his childhood and the rough situation he grew up in and how his dad was a very rough, rough alcoholic. He said, the last time me and my brothers got together, we tried to remember all the times and we, we listed them and finally came up with a list that we all, either all of us or one of us remembered of over 20 times in our childhood, where our dad got in a fight, punched somebody out in a bar fight, got sent to jail, did something. One time, he punched out my brother's principal at school. I didn't know that. And the other guy, the other guy said, oh my. He said, I remember my dad lost his temper one time. He didn't use any bad words, but he lost his temper. Now, there's two different stories, folks. Let's say one of them lost their temper. Does it excuse the sin? Does it mean it's not a sin? No. 
But if you understand, if you, you seek to understand the story, you might not be so judgmental. Okay? Just a tip to help you not fall into the trap of being judgmental, condemning like we're talking about. All right, those are my four tips. Uh, I hope we understand now the world's favorite verse a little bit better. And I hope for sure we know they really don't understand it. Uh, they have no idea what this verse means. They just use it because it's handy. But I hope we understand it a whole lot better than we did when we started. Next time we're going to talk about where is your treasure? Materialism a little bit. Jesus talks about laying up your treasure in the right place. So we'll see what we do in the kingdom with our treasures. Lesson is yours if you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Uh, we'd like to help you put him on in baptism. There may be somebody here that has a prayer request or some other need of this family. We're going to stand and sing a song and make that possible. Come if you need to. <laughs>